You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 47. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Now, I know that I introduce just about every guest on the show as uh, of being very special, but today's guest is truly very special to me personally. Today's guest on the show is my mom, Candy Podolsky. Today marks the long-awaited release of my short documentary film, On the Trail, a journey across Vermont on the long trail. This film tells the story of a 273-mile-long hike across the state of Vermont that I completed with my mom. The Long Trail was America's first long-distance hiking trail. It was the trail that inspired the creation of the Appalachian Trail. It follows the spine of the Green Mountains for 273 miles from the Massachusetts border to the Canadian border, and it is surprisingly rugged and technically difficult. Our month-long trip was marked by the physical challenges associated with hiking along the trail, but also by numerous mental challenges. We undertook this adventure just months after the death of my father, and in many ways the trip was designed to help my mom and I move on to the next stages of our lives. Long-distance hiking as a way to overcome extreme grief is not an unknown phenomena, thanks to the popularity of the film Wild. But my film, On the Trail, shows viewers what this experience is truly like in the moment. There are no reenactments here. Everything you see was captured as it was happening on Vermont's Long Trail. So head on over to the Eyes on Conservation website to check out this film, which we just released. That's eyesonconservation.com. Or you can find the film at onthetrail.us. And keep listening to hear an extended conversation with my mom, Candy Podolsky, about long-distance hiking, overcoming grief, and the spectacular natural beauty of Vermont's High Ridge Line. Let's jump into that interview. All right, I'm here with Candy Podolsky, who is my mom, <laughs> <laughs> and also a long-distance hiker and a lifelong educator, a former director of a nursery school. Um, but we're here today to talk specifically about long-distance uh, backpacking and our experiences together on the long trail in Vermont. Um, so the first question that I have for you, Mom, is um, like, how did you first become interested in hiking and camping? That's actually a really good question. Um, I don't have an easy answer for that. <laughs> um, I sort of fell into it uh, years ago when... I just gotten out of college. Uh, friends of ours took us up to the top of Mount Washington, and uh, my husband and I loved it, and it was a lot of fun. So we looked for more things to do. Uh, never backpacking, though, just day hikes until you were born and asked when you were, gosh, I don't know, eight or ten, to go overnight backpacking. Oh really? So that was that was my influence. I didn't that even realize that. That was totally your influence. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Um, yeah, I think. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm looking for sort of memories of your first experiences in the forests of Northern New England and the mountains of Northern New England. You mentioned that um, that particular hike up Mount Washington was that sort of your first experience up in that area. It was. It was. Uh, man, it's a long one too. 
for our first hike. Yeah. It just kept going up and up and up. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you guys enjoyed it because you wanted to go back and do more hiking afterwards. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, you know, you and Dad moved permanently up to the mountains of central Maine. So obviously there was a connection with that area. Um, but, you know, this, I mean, I don't know, it, it, it seems like, you know, I mean, I mean, Dad talked about that a lot, you know, this idea of like retiring up in Maine. Um, but, you know, there wasn't like he got sick and then there wasn't very much time. And I mean, you guys did it, you know, made that move. Um, but I guess the question is like, I mean, were you worried that you wouldn't be able to continue living there because of like those difficult memories and what happened with Dad? No, no. Uh, Maine was home. Maine became home very early on when we bought that house, even though we only went for weekends and vacations. But I always knew that I would never sell Maine. Um, It's home. Mm. It's been home for a long time. It's a comfortable place. Do you remember me first proposing the idea of doing a long-distance hike back when Dad was sick? I do. I do. I remember it quite vividly. Um, And I thought it was a fabulous idea. I had actually been thinking similar thoughts. Really? Yeah. I had seen uh, a few weeks earlier, before you came out to visit that trip, I had seen a documentary on the Appalachian Trail. And I thought to myself, because your father was so sick at the time, I thought if I was smart, that's what I would do to heal. Mm -hmm. And then you came up with the idea and I said, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, do you think you ever would have done something like this if, if Dad hadn't gotten sick? I always wanted to. Um, I don't know whether I would have done it or not. I, I always wanted to do it, but I always wanted to find somebody to do it with me. I didn't want to do my first long-distance backpacking trip by myself. So uh, opportunity came. So the idea of doing a long distance hike as a way of overcoming like deep personal grief has has sort of gone mainstream. I mean, in the time that that we've done our hike, right, with um, you know the the book Wild and the release of the film version of um, this story called Wild um, on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, I mean, what what is it about an experience like this that helps overcome grief? I think that uh, when you're out in the woods, uh, you really have to think for yourself. You have to, you, you're with yourself. Even if you're hiking with somebody else, you spend a lot of time alone. And I found after your father died that I was constantly busy. I was looking for things to distract my mind from dealing with the difficulty of losing him. You couldn't do that on the trail. It was constantly, you had to deal with it. You had to, you had to think about it, and, um, and it gave you a chance to, uh, to deal. It gave you a chance to think about it and to mourn and then to start thinking about how to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of it almost as um, like a form of meditation. Yes, I agree. You know? I totally agree. Um, and I'm not someone who would ever just like meditate in a passive sort of way, you know, but, um, you know, like you said, it's, I mean, it's almost this, it's this interesting sort of dichotomy where it's like, you're constantly moving and you're getting really strenuous exercise 
you know, so there's like this continuous activity, but like you said, like your mind just runs off into these places as you're going because you, you know, you don't always need like your full attention. You know, if you're just walking across, if it's not, you know, a section of the trail, it's, it's really technically challenging, you know, uh, your mind goes off in all kinds of places and it, it does it like you, you have no other choice. Like you have to process those thoughts. You, you know? do. It forces you to process what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it's a good it's a good thing, mm-hmm. um, which I think in this day and age, often uh, we play an avoidance game. And I certainly was doing that um, up until that time. So let's start at the beginning of the hike. Um, what were those first few days on the trail like? Did you feel like you were prepared? Um, yeah, maybe. Um, not completely prepared. It's uh, harder than you think it's going to be. And I'm not sure that you would ever be completely prepared. Um, a day hike is so different because you can really work hard and uh, bust your ass to get to the top of the mountain. But then you're going to turn around and come back. Um, but the long distance thing, uh, is completely different and we had rain and then we had rain and then we had more rain and we hiked through streams and then we hiked through more streams and then we hiked through more streams. So our feet were always wet and our clothes were always smelly and mildewy and kind of gross. And, uh, there's no preparing for that. It's just part of the experience and, I don't know. You kind of learn to deal with it. It's just part of what you deal with because there's so many other benefits that outweigh that. You've seen that that movie Wild, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, just thinking about like that opening scene, or I don't know if it's that that, that scene early on in the film when you see her like trying to get her enormous backpack on. <laughs> <laughs> like at least that's not something that <laughs> we did not deal with. That we were very smart. We. We did ultra light equipment and took very few, no extras really at all. Yeah, and that was something that you know I was very conscious about because of my previous experience uh, backpacking on the Appalachian Trail, and you know being in that situation where you you go to get your backpack on and it's just absurdly heavy, and you realize like how challenging it's going to be just because of that. You know, it's really true. It was so much better on this trip because we had that ultralight equipment than it had been on previous shorter hikes where I really would have to say that I didn't think that I could have gone any further than two or three days. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this whole, I mean, you know, since this time, it was about 10 years ago when I did, um, that, that northernmost section of the Appalachian Trail, about 600 miles of the Appalachian Trail, there's been this sort of revolution in, in long-distance uh, hiking and backpacking, this sort of ultralight, you know, uh, revolution where, you know, there are all these gear companies now that, that specialize in, you know, building and selling equipment that is, you know, as light as it possibly can be. Um, and, and we were very conscious of that this time around. We were, (laughs) we went through and bought all, you know, the lightest gear we could and cut out anything that wasn't totally necessary. Um, and I, I feel like we were ultimately like pretty well prepared and, you know, with, you know, my thing was I wanted our, our base, um, sort of the base weight of our pack. So that's, you know, the, the weight of the pack without water or food to be 15 pounds or less. Um, which we accomplished. We did. Yeah. We did. And it really did make a big difference. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would recommend that to anybody who's going to take a any kind of backpacking trip, even if it's one overnight. Yeah. It just makes a big difference. You're not dealing with rubbing and achy achy back and sore feet and Yeah. Yeah, it definitely makes a big difference. And even with like five or six days of food, the the most our packs ever weighed was thirty pounds. Yeah. So um did life on the trail start to feel normal at a certain point? Oh, it totally did. It totally did. Um, to the point where when we would stop and resupply for food, I couldn't wait to get back on the trail. Where at the beginning, when we would stop, I just wanted a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take to reach that point? Gosh, I don't know. Um, maybe halfway through, okay. something like that. Yeah, a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what were some of the most challenging moments on the trail for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, climbing uh, Camel's Hump was challenging. Uh, I'm not a tall person. I don't have long arms or legs. And there were points where I definitely needed help. Um, just too steep, and I just couldn't get my leg up to the next rock. Um, so that was challenging. I also have a, a, I wouldn't say a huge fear of heights, but I do have a little bit of fear of heights. And some of those steep, um, you know, coming down some of that steep stuff um, was scary. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that, I mean, especially people out here in the West don't realize about the mountains of the Northeast is that, you know, even though they're not that high above sea level, you know, the highest peaks that we climbed in, in Vermont were, you know, a little over 4,000 feet, um, nothing that reaches 5,000 feet. But they're rugged and steep. They're and, very rugged and they're very challenging. Yeah, I mean, it's it, these are challenging climbs, and you know, unlike some of the long distance hiking trails out out in the west, you like the Pacific Crest Trail, for example. You know, that trail does not climb up to the peaks of the mountains. It sort of winds its way through the valleys, and you get these vistas. But you're not climbing to the peak of you're not climbing to any significant peaks. Whereas, you know, on the Appalachian Trail and on the Long Trail, the the goal of the creators of those trails was to hit every single major peak so you're literally just climbing up you're on the ridge line the whole time basically it's amazing i mean there was a day where we did six peaks so you know it's it's not just climbing one peak and then going to sleep it's uh you're still getting a ton of elevation gain it's just that it's up and down and up and down yeah yeah i mean we're doing like once we got into that really rugged section in the northern part i mean doing like 10 or 12 miles a day and it was, that was tough. It was know? really tough. Yeah. Um, the nice part about going uh, from the south up to the north, though, is it starts out easier. And so as you get in better shape, you're then attempting the harder stuff, which is, a, I thought, a nice way to do it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It would definitely would have been difficult to do it the it opposite It would have been way. really difficult to do the other way around. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the highlights of the trip for you? Well, Camel's Hump. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was stunning, stunning up there and windy and cold. We were going to have lunch and we couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, but it was quite an accomplishment to get up there. And um, it was a beautiful, a beautiful area. Um, I, I would say, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the more challenging uh, peaks were my favorite peaks. Mm -hmm. And with all the rain that we got, when we got to the top of the best peaks, we had clear weather. So we were very lucky that way. 
Yeah, we did get really lucky with the weather. I mean, it rained it rained most of the time. Yeah, but we did seem to have clear skies when we were up on those high peaks. We, that yeah, are above we really the tree did. Line. Yeah. Um, and Campbell's Hump, I'll just say quickly, is um, not the tallest peak in Vermont. Mount Mansfield is the tallest peak in Vermont, but Mount Mansfield is 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 a lot more developed. There's a ski resort up there. Um, there's a road that goes up close to the top. Um, whereas Campbell's Hump, although it's not quite as tall of a peak, is um, contained within a wilderness area. Um, so it's it's a much more re- rewarding hike. Absolutely. Than, than Mansfield Absolutely. Was. Yeah. Mansfield, I think, was probably a little more challenging. Um, but you get up there and there's little kids in Crocs climbing all over the place because they've just gotten out of their cars. And that somehow takes something away from what you've just done. It definitely does. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely <laughs> does. Um, so undoubtedly, one of the most difficult periods of time on the trail was, you know, the day or so after you injured your knee. Um, yes. I mean, tell me just briefly about like this incident, how it happened, and then what it was like to you know get from that point to the road where we were actually able to you know get out of there. Uh, well, I was I was trying to figure out how to get down uh, this very steep rock, and there was really no place to put my poles, and but there was a little pack of mud that had a boot print on it, and I thought, oh, surely I can put my foot there. And as soon as I put my foot there, uh, I started sliding down the rock. And as I slid down the rock, that foot hit some kind of little bump in the rock and it jolted my leg, uh, in the wrong direction. And I ended up tearing my MCL. And, uh, gosh, I was in shock for probably 10 minutes. I just sat there stunned, not knowing what I was going to do next. Um, but slowly but surely I started to feel a little better and I decided to try getting up and I tried to put weight on it. It hurt like hell. Um, but I discovered that I could walk. So I took my, I had a knee brace and I took my knee brace and I wrapped it as tight as I could and I started hobbling down. Um, most painful hiking I've ever done. It was terrible. Um, but as long as I was really careful and the hiking poles helped, mm-hmm. I was able to get to the road. But it felt like the longest, however many miles it was, it was the longest and hardest part of the of the hike. And it was only it was only uh, what a couple of miles from where you hurt yourself to the the shelter. This was the end of the day when you right. injured right. yourself, and so it was only a couple of miles to get to the shelter where we were you know, staying that night. Um, but then it was five miles to get from that shelter to the closest road, which we had to do the next day. Yeah. And I would say the next day, uh, I was even, I was in even more pain. Um, you know, the adrenaline had kicked in when I injured myself and I was able to get to the shelter, but the next day was worse. Um, and when I hit the road, uh, you were trying to convince me to keep going and I was just no way. I, I knew something was terribly wrong. So, although we did temporarily <clears throat> halt our trip after your knee injury, um, we were back before the snow fell just a few months later to finish this final leg of the trip. Um, I mean, we were extremely close to the northern northern. We were ten terminus. miles away. Yeah, yeah, we were so 10 close miles, um, when we hit that road. So yeah. we were really close, um, but we were luckily able to. You know, your your knee was able you had enough time to heal. We were able to get back before winter and finish up the hike. 
Um, what was it like coming back to the trail after that three or four month break? I, you know, that was the big surprise for me. I felt like I was back home. Uh, didn't expect that. And, uh, and now I get that feeling every time I go back in the woods, I feel like I'm back home. And often when I take a day hike, I wish I had a backpack so I could just stay. Um, the woods feel like home. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's cool to hear you say that because it's like the exact same experience that I had, you know, 10 years ago when I did that Appalachian trail hike, it just totally changed the way that I view you know, I, I, th- I think, you know, specifically sort of the woods of northern New England, but I mean, I think also just natural areas in general. It's like you have that feeling when you're out um, in these natural areas that like, this is my home because I actually did live here for months at a time, yeah. you know, without, yeah. you know, just, you know, basically alone. Um, so, and, and I, I think that's something really special that you don't get unless you do a long distance hike. I think it's true. And I think it's very empowering because, uh, you learn to rely on yourself. Um, and I think in this day and age, uh, people are often, uh, very reliant on other, on other people and other things and computers and stoves and refrigerators. And, uh, we dealt with none of that and, uh, we dealt with it well. And, uh, I don't know. I, I came out of the experience, not only feeling like the woods are home, but also that I feel like a stronger person because of the hike. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, you know, part of that is like you said, you know, like your stove and like your refrigerator, it's like these everyday appliances, these things we take for granted, you know, you come back to civilization after a hike like this and like you you know it like specifically like the stove right like, yeah oh I yeah the i don't stove. take my stove for granted because like to be able to just flip flip a switch and turn it on and like be able to cook your meal is it's amazing yeah it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely amazing because when you're out in the woods it's like it's work to get that it's stove going really work to cook that meal you know well um, we had that little what was it alcohol stove yeah. and when when it was cold that thing was not easy to light. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering, you know, what you were thinking when you first saw, you know, that big wooden sign that marks the northern terminus of the trail when you, we hit the Canadian border. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, you know, then I probably was a little disappointed because it was so much fun and I hated to see it end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been thinking ever since about what my next, what my next hike is going to be. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured that out yet, but... You kind of want it to keep going forever, but you also, you know, you, you also are always anticipating, like, you know, the the comforts of, yes. you know, civilization yes. as well. It's this interesting dichotomy. I think. It is. It's really interesting. And, you know, we did, we did the trail in three and a half weeks, give or take, and uh, I was so ready to be done. But I think if I had... Uh, if I had the mindset for a longer trail, I think it would be the same thing. I think that my mindset would be I'd be so ready to be done when I would be done with that one. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just what your what your expectations are. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, what was it like coming back to your house in Maine at the end of the trip? Like, I mean, did you view like like that specific area, like those few acres that, that you own like a little bit differently or just like the woods surrounding that, that area after 
your time on the trail? Gosh, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it changed that, but it certainly changed uh, my activity level. I've always been a pretty active person, take a lot of walks, but... uh, I don't know. My idea of a walk is different now than it used to be. Uh, I used to walk along a kind of flat road, and I'd go out for half an hour, 45 minutes. And now it's pretty rare that I don't hike up to the ledge um, because I want that elevation and I want that view, and I want to have at least a little bit of that feeling um, of really hiking and not just taking a walk, which Mm -hmm. I love to walk, but I... I don't know. There's something different. It's, uh, you know, your, your body, your juices get flowing, your mind starts to think, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's a great feeling. Mm. So I, I think it's interesting that, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you, you told me at the beginning, which I didn't even realize that, that I was the one who inspired you and Dad to start, <laughs> start taking backpacking trips. But, I mean, it, it, it seems like, you know, in a certain sense, you know, Dad is the one who who like really got both of us, you know, initially interested in just getting outside and being in the outdoors and, and hiking and, Absolutely. And, and all that. He did. I had never camped before I met your father. Um, but, you know, towards the end of his life, he became, you know, very reluctant to, to go on hiking trips. I mean, I still remember the last hiking trip <laughs> I took him on and he told me afterwards that, that he was never hiking again. <laughs> and he did not. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, what do you think he would have thought about this little adventure of ours? Well, if he had been alive when we did it, he would have been a nervous wreck. Uh, He would have been very worried about us, and we probably would have had to call him all the time. Um, But having said that, uh, you know, I think he would, on one hand, think we were crazy, and on the other hand, uh, being a little inspired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In fact, maybe very, very inspired, Mm -hmm. you know. you know, the longest hike he ever did, I believe, was a three-day, mm-hmm. maybe four-day, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it was that, like, sort of turned him off to that type of experience at a certain point in his life. Yeah. I don't know either. He really had gotten away from, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't in the shape that he had been in when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I look back on it and wonder if maybe he was already starting to not feel great. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that. Yeah. Of course, he always continue to spend lots and lots of time outdoors and always yeah always he loved getting his chainsaw out and cutting down trees and making his forest tidy Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was always his goal um but he loved being outside yeah um so what uh what's what's our next hike gonna be mom i don't know i don't know (laughs) maybe we have to do the whole appalachian trail i don't know i would do i would do anything you know it was um it was such a great experience. Yeah. Right now, in the interim, I'm working on the uh, the four thousand footers in New Hampshire. Um, I've got five down. Nice. And yeah. How many are there? Oh gosh, uh, it's like forty something, right? Forty eight, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think there's forty eight. Yeah. So I have a ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, well, that's all about all I got. Thanks for you know. Chatting with me. Sure. It's always fun. Putting up with uh, these questions. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. That was our conversation with my mom, long distance hiker and educator, Candy Podolsky. 
As a few of our listeners may be aware, I've been delaying the release of this film about our long trail hike for a while now. A big part of the reason for this is the difficult content of the doc. Um, I, I, I still can't can't watch it without tearing up, to be honest, and I know that my mom has the same problem. Um, but I just like to say how proud I am of my mom for her openness in talking about my dad and how this hike helped her through the grieving process. It's extremely difficult for me to talk about this, and I know it's it's even harder for her, but she really did an amazing job. Um, don't, don't you guys think? Um, it's really wonderful to see how well my mom is doing now that it's it's been three years since my father's death. Um, it took us a long time to get to this point, but we're finally able to feel comfortable uh, sharing this story um, and getting it out there. Um, and I can only hope that, that watching this film or listening to this interview will help someone else out there who is maybe going through a similarly difficult time. So please share any thoughts or feedback that you have on this episode. It, it would really mean a lot to, to hear from our listeners on this very uh, personal uh, episode of the podcast. Um, leave a comment on the show notes page, uh, which you can find at wildlensinc.org slash EOC 47, or shoot me an email at Matthew at wildlensinc.org. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by the humidors. Mm-hmm.